flight. We'll have our first message uh, by Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, Being Thankful. Greetings, everyone. I hope, oh, there we go. Hopefully everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I did, because I went to the Steels, and one of the things that caught me off guard, so Benjamin got a weird answer, there was, he had some kind of device or paper that you do this, and you have to pick like a picture and then a number, and it came up with, what are the three things you're thankful for? I was totally like a deer at headlights, because I just don't think of that. I'm not always good at my thinking on my feet. My real response to him is, first of all, I'm thankful I've lived as long as I have. Which I'm not going to go further into that one at all. I'm happy that I'm in a stable church environment, because this is a very stable church, so I have a good church family. That was one thing. And the other thing, being a geek. I'm like Jesse in our church. I, you know, I like all this stuff. We have stuff like this. I get to see, live long enough to see this stuff. Because right now, I'm studying something called radio astronomy. I had no idea what he was talking about in the second lecture, as I was telling our guests. And it's like I had to go on Google, instead of going to a book, go to Google and learn all this stuff. Like, what is he talking about? So there's a lot to be thankful for. But I want to go a little further than that. Besides family, church, and so forth, and having technology it helps us out. So to start the basic theme of the message, I would like to share a quote with you from Ralph, Ralph Emerson. And it is, as quote, cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continually. And because all things have contributed to your advancement, you should include all things in your gratitude. I thought that was a good one. And it's true. Even, even Paul encourages this as well. Maybe not the advancement part at first, but it's there. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. That is 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Yeah, good thing for glasses. I can actually read up there now. And I got trivocals of all things, too. I never thought I'd ever do that. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. So it says, in everything, give thanks. And Paul repeats this to the Ephesians. He repeats it again. He, when he's writing to the Ephesians, in Ephesians 5.20, in Ephesians 5.20, he says, give thanks always for all things to God the Father in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why would you give thanks? Because sometimes our life gets a little rough. You know, like I was in between those jobs before I was hired by the company I was just hired. You know, some, I got a little hairy every now, every now and then because I wasn't sure if they were going to hire me and they took 20,000 years, I swear. It really didn't, but that's how it feels in a trial. In reality, they just had to wait for two people to quit, which I wish didn't happen, but they did. And I, me and someone else got the benefit of that. Or Tanner and I got the benefits of that. He got hired to a pretty decent job, actually. Why would we do it? Okay, here's why. Romans 8, 28. As Paul states and wrote to the Romans. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love the Lord, love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. 
So all works work goes for it. I, I'll go, go back a little bit on a little personal example. I remember when I was, I was first hired at some kind of lawn care place, and I remember it, and they were really, they didn't like you asking for time off. Well, the feast was coming around the corner, and I was directly hired, too. So this, I guess, was a termination. But it doesn't matter. Point is, I, they said, if you go to the feast, Jim said, and I won't give any last names, just let it go. Jim said, who was the supervisor, said, you will be fired or terminated. He actually was more professional, terminated. So I went, I gave him a note. I just, I think it was from either Fred, I forgot what church I was attending, it doesn't matter. So I just gave him a note saying, okay, here you go, here's the holy days. And he says, you know if you go, you will be terminated. Well, I felt like obeying God first, okay? Well, I'm at, the, I'm at Lake Texhoma talking to Steve, and I get a phone call on my little flip phone. Yeah, we had flip phones back then. That's how far go back. <laughs> it wasn't smartphones at the time. And I was proud of that flip phone. Now looking back, it looks like junk compared to what I got now. But it doesn't matter. The point is, he told me I was terminated. And several people saw I changed my mood and gave me encouragement. But, the, but in the example, for two weeks I was unemployed. And then it turned out I went to the right place. I don't know why I decided it. And I got a job. You know, the thumbs up. Dad was happy. Everybody's happy. It turned out that job gave me a dollar raise, worked me five days a week. When I asked for holy day, in other words, you know, eight to five or seven to four, whatever it was, they actually gave me the holy days off without question. They went, oh, hey, no problem. We, we're religious. We appreciate that. We're there to have you. And it turned out it worked out. And, I'm, and that's something to think about. So even in our situations that don't seem so positive, it usually works out for the good because that's what God wants. No, he says, like he says, and we know that all things work toward, together for the good to those who love the Lord. Now, I'm going to list three items this day of why we should always be thankful. There's thousands of things you can, thousand reasons why you can be thankful. There's thousands of reasons. But I picked three major ones. First, God, the God of the universe, the creator of all we see, he cares for us and provides for us. We're not just like the universe tends to look at us like little specks, like ants on a little bitty mountain doing whatever we do, and if we disappear, it all well. God doesn't feel that way. God provides for us because we know this. Because Peter tells us this. Peter says, he wrote to someone, he said, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. He says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So God cares for you. And if you just, you know, like he said, therefore humble yourself under the, the, hand, the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you in due time. You know, he's there. He cares. You can bring your worries to him. If you're worried about your rent, or you're worried about your car, like the last night, I... I didn't mean to put this in here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because it is a good example. Just recent. There was an actual piece of, uh, I'm glad you all didn't run into it coming to church. There actually was a piece of firewood out there, which I avoided coming in because I could see it because it was daylight when I came in. I got off work early. Well, apparently I hit it coming back down. I mean, it's triangular shaped. But I, when I hit it, the car felt like it jumped. Okay, and you say, okay. Well, I was so worried the car tire would go flat. So I went to the dealership, or not dealership, but Robinson Tires, and went, okay, and they said, it turned out that 
I don't know if God protected me or what, but the tire is not injured. The only damage to the hubcap is just a little bit of, he calls it cosmetic. I still wish it didn't damage that. I still like my car that much. But hey, but there's no real damage. So that, that was actually, he cared, because I prayed about it. I said, God, I really can't afford to replace all this stuff. You know, I mean, I could, but I don't want to. But somebody told me if that thing was really going to hurt the car, it would have gone flat instantly. So that was a blessing to hit something hard and not have any damage to the car hardly at all, except for a little bit of something remind me, watch the road next time. Now, David expresses God's care for us as well. And this one I could not resist. You go to, um, in this case, we're going to turn to Psalms 34, 17 to 19. Psalms 34, 17 to 19. David says, righteous cry, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, the, the, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and and saves such as, who, as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord deliver them out of them all. You can count on God to help you no matter what. I mean the tire thing was just a minor thing. I mean it turned out it was okay. But he's there to help you if you had a job issue. He's there if you have a, I don't know, financial issue. You know, I mean I've had times you couldn't pay rent. I'm sure. And I'm sure you all can think of Oklahoma. You all. I'm sure everyone can think of an experience when things weren't great and everything worked out after all when you approached God. Because he didn't promise us a bed of roses. You know, many of the afflictions of the righteous. And in the world we live in, that's just appear to be the way it is. and gets worse, fortunately. And when we approach him in prayer, we're called to actually be thankful or give thanks. He says in Philippians 4, 6, or Paul does, be anxiety, or as King James says, worry for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The first part's a tall order for me. I mean, you know, with anxiety, be worried about nothing or nothing. That's a hard one. Like if you get unemployed or you got something going on, you get to worrying. But God says not to, or Paul tells us not to do that. He says to with thank, approach God with thanksgiving and prayer to basically say, make your, your request known. On the second point, well, hold, let's slow down a second. So we're not to worry. So God is here to take care of us in the present world for, the re, for as long as we live, whatever that may be, whether somebody's waiting for a check or whatever is going on. He's there with us. But the second point, you know, I always said that, you know, there's more. God has a divine plan for each and every one of us. And I don't mean just us, for all of mankind. And we're a part of this grand plan. We know, I mean, we see the universe and we look how small we really are, as I've said earlier. I mean, you, I've I was thinking of an analogy. Well, just think of a group of islands and you're a little ant running around and the typhoon takes you off. No one notices it. But God, like I say, doesn't see that way at all. At all. And we know this because in Psalms, in Psalms 8, 3 through 6 is why I gave Brian. It, it can go either way, but the point will be made. David says, because I was talking about the universe, because I'm studying about radio astronomy and some other things. Do I understand it? 
Anyway, <laughs> some of that runs over my head, but at least it's interesting to open my mind to new stuff. But in Psalms 8, 3 through 6, or somewhere in that region, and David says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, and as I was talking to the new guy, the works that you look at the heavens and the things around us, the plants, the microorganisms, the atoms, you know, it's just it's, a, it's amazing. And then he continues, he says, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put under put all things under his feet, and he goes into like all sheep and oxen, and, and that's true. We tend to, at least on earth overall, we seem to have dominance over the earth. Whether that's good or bad is not relative. The point is we tend to do that. God does give us that ability, but it goes further than that. He didn't just give us dominance over, you know, let's say, you know, like, plants and animals and things like that. He gives us in his plan a grander option. Paul expresses it. We all know. We all know this one. Romans 8, 14 through 17. So in Romans 8, 14 through 17, we see, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the, receive the spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. He offers us to be part of his family. Not just, you know, we're not just little like some religions in the world think of, like, well, just to throw in one. The Mesopotamians always thought, the ancient ones anyway, thought that humans were made just to serve the gods. That's it. They didn't care for them. They could have wiped them out. In fact, they, the, the mythology says they tried to once and just didn't secede because one of them cared for humans. That's not the way it is. The Bible tells us we are destined to be the sons and daughters of God. Think about that. The God who created everything. This is something to be joyful for. No matter what you go through, you've got to realize your final destination, if you do what he says and do what he, you're led by that spirit, you will become the sons and daughters of God. And I can't imagine that. That's just beyond me. I mean, the idea of immortality, okay, that's great. I can to figure that, but losing my arthritis and my fat eyes and things and getting a new body, I didn't get into the resurrection part yet. But, you know, that's something to think about. Something I would never thought of 30 years ago. <laughs> but God gives us another thing also. It's not just to be part of his family. We're not just going to sit around and play harps or whatever people believe. We have a purpose. And everyone here I know can relate to this. Everyone. Because I talk to everyone. I know what's going on. God is going to give us an opportunity to not just be bystanders and watch everything go by and go, why did that happen? He's going to give us someday the opportunity 
once we're trained and out of this world and the kingdom of God comes around, we will have the opportunity to reign with him and prevent some of it and do whatever he, since he'll be the king, you know, whatever he wants us to do to make the world better. For he says in Revelation 3.21, it says, To him who overcomes, we got overcome, I will grant you to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And a reference scripture would be Revelation 20, 1 through 4. Didn't give it to Brian, but that was one I thought of. Where we will reign with him for a thousand years. We will have an opportunity to correct the problems of the world. Not today, fortunately. But someday we'll be able to go in righteously to actually handle the situations in a proper manner instead of some of the ways we sometimes say, which God may look at us and go, <coughs> we have a better system here. Yeah, chill out. So we, He's given us that as an opportunity. Now, one of the warnings, I like to do this once in a while, one of the warnings we have, I have, and I, since I'm mentioning world, is the world is super, super, super negative. I mean... I listen to KMRG, and all you hear about, they always do the three big things you've got to know, and one of them is always about the president. That's the, always the first one. But the other two is either somebody getting shot, killed, whatever. The other one's a robbery or something. Everything's negative. Everything is negative, which is not good. It's obviously not good. It's hard to be thankful when you hear about all this, because this is what Paul says about the latter days. He says, it's just is a warning. He says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through, we'll just go through 2, if I get to my point. But know this, that in the latter days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. I want to focus on the unthankful. Being unthankful is a bad thing. You should be thankful. I mean, obviously, it's a bad thing. But, you know, you, be thankful is what we need to be. And when you're unthankful, it kind of breeds a lot of the other stuff we see because you're not thankful for what you got. I mean, I'm happy. I mean, personally, in my life, I feel God has really highly blessed me. And I'm sure if you looked at what you have and what you've got, family, like I said earlier, your jobs, you're not too thrilled with the job sometimes, but the job pays well. Hey, you know, you've got a decent job. We live in a country where there's freedom. You know, we, we need to be thankful, and we don't need to be unthankful. And it just as a biblical example to that is ancient Israel, which is said in Hebrews, which I didn't find in the scripture, but they were set as an example. You know, here they are. They're called out of Egypt, and the first thing they gripe about is we don't have food. Okay, so God says manna. Okay, yeah, 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 okay, we got you food. And then they go, and I can understand it being unpleasant, but I can't, I've already walked like at the Grand Canyon and just seen vast nothing, and walking can be a little interesting, let's put it that way. But they had God with them. And then they, then they gripe about water, they gripe about this, and they griped about this, and they griped about that. And they finally meet the promised land, and their ungratefulness, God just said, you ain't going to make it, that's it. You're not going to the promised land, I've had enough. But he does say, and this is only a reference scripture, in Deuteronomy... For those who are taking notes, Deuteronomy 29, 5 through 6. That's Deuteronomy 29, 5 through 6. And Deuteronomy 8, 3 through 5. Again, you don't have to put a post-it. He tells them, this is why we need to be grateful. You know, they go through the wilderness and all this, and they didn't notice some things. 
and God points it out. Well, one, he says, uh, see, he goes into verse 5 of Deuteronomy 29. He says, your clothes have not worn out, and your sandals did not wear out on your feet. You know, think about that. Forty years, the sandals didn't wear out, and their clothing didn't wear out. I'd be lucky if my suit lasts another 10 years, okay? <laughs> and my sneakers, the way they make them, don't even last more than six months, depending on how I wear them. But God made them last. And the other one talks about, uh, see, your garments, the other one in verse 4, it says, your garments did not wear out, nor did your feet swell these 40 years, because they had to walk. They didn't have cars. They, and we were blessed with cars. They, they had to walk. Then, but they never noticed it because they were ungrateful. God's little blessings, they never noticed. And we need to be noticing these little blessings and thank God for them. If we've been blessed in many ways, and if we get ungrateful, we just don't see them. You know, why, why are you putting me through all this, God? I don't understand. You know, instead of saying, okay, you gave me this, gave me this. Okay, okay, here, here, here. I see it. I see it. And there's got to be a reason for why this is going on. So in conclusion... My message is basically to say, be thankful always, just like Paul said, like, like the quote I used. We can be thankful that God cares for us. We can be very thankful there. He's, he's devised a plan for us, in fact. We're not just going to live this life and then die and go to sleep, and then that's it. He has a plan for us. We're going to be a part of his family. We're going to be a part of his, his plan. And then he's going to, after our little training on earth, which we may not always be thrilled with all the trials, but hey, with all the training, we will actually be able to make a difference in the world and in humanity in the kingdom of God. So I wanted to close, if you've wondered why you didn't see Colossians, I wanted to close with that, actually. It was my primary verse, that, I, and I give Kim the benefit on that, because she gave me a sheet in the, in the back study over there for the teens, and it was all these things about being thankful, and this one really struck me. And I want to read it to you as my closing remarks. I'm going to let Paul talk to us instead of me. So in Colossians 3, 15 through 17. That's Colossians 3, 15 through 17. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called into one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, songs, like we had earlier, hymns, and, sing, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it, or do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him.